This is a Sound Purchase, a podcast that does a deep dive to explore iconic recordings. Episode 22, Spockawas' Viva Dixie Submarine Transmission Plot. Okie dokie. So this episode, we are talking about Sparkle Horse's 1995 release, Aviva Dixie Submarine Transmission Plot, all one word, which apparently was a thing that came to him in a dream. Stefan, you can probably explain it better than I can, as you actually read the Wikipedia and I did not. So please explain the dream. Well, apparently it was about General Lee and the Confederate Army having access somehow to a submarine and having a band playing on the inside of that submarine and the lead singer of Sparkle Horse. Is it lead singer or is he just Sparkle Horse? Well, kind of lead singer, but he sort of just is as well. I mean, there were other band members throughout the lineup, but he was the only consistent one. And I'm pretty sure he was the songwriter. So mm. the principal songwriter for all of it. So. Yeah, he was Sparkle Horse, really. Well, the you know. the Sparkle Horse could hear the band playing through the wall of the submarine, through the water. Houses. Yeah, I'd say that sums up the album quite nicely, really. Yeah, a lot of abstractions in the in the lyrics. Mm. I, I mean, it. I had a no. I had a um, how would you call it like a a panic attack around the dyslexia of not being able to read all of those words when they're put together like that. Yeah, yeah. I really struggled. When I was younger, when I was younger, it's like I didn't even bother trying to read it. Because if you've seen the cover, it's even harder to read it on the cover than it is mm. when you um, see it written down just on the computer. Well, um, and obviously, when I was a wee nipper, we didn't have the computer. We had it. Well, eventually, I had it on CD. But yeah, you'll like this though, Jake. You know. My, uh, I'm doing a bit of research, doing a bit of listing this morning, and my son comes up to me and he goes. Is that the Joker? <laughs> oh, it kind of looks like it. Yeah. Actually, it does look very much like the mask he uses in Dark Knight. Which? Or a mask someone, one of them uses. A, um, no, that was the mask that he used, and it was that was a homage to the 66 TV show. Ah, neat. Yeah. Very neat. Yeah. Nolan. Uh, getting his inspiration from, well, the 60s Batman, but possibly mm. Mark Linkus. But who was it? Someone someone came out the other day saying that 66 Batman is the only Batman. The Alan Moore? Was it? I think it was Alan Moore, grumpy Alan Moore. I was going to say Adam West, but obviously he died a few years no. back, didn't he? So it wouldn't have been him. No. Burt Ward? No, it was definitely Could it Watchman's Alan Moore. Definitely Alan Moore saying... Yeah, because he's notoriously grumpy about <laughs> comic books, but he himself created some of the greatest comic books in history. At least he'd say so. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway. No, man, it's not comics. It's a graphic novel. Oh, yeah, sorry. I didn't mean that. I meant superheroes. He created some of the best superhero comics that we've had, but he mm. now renounces them all. It's very much like uh, apparently Bill Bruford of... King Crimson, Genesis, Yes Fame, who renounces prog rock. He only sticks to jazz. Cool. <laughs> I'm surprised, actually, because there's a lot of similarities between jazz Temporary. and prog. Yeah. How did we even get on to Bill Bruford? 
Oh, we're talking about Alan Moore cover. And, you know, let's be honest, we shouldn't be talking about this in general. We're not here to talk about Alan Moore and Bill Bruford being grumpy old men. But if you would like to hear more about Alan Moore and Bill Bruford being grumpy old men, please let us know and we can completely change the premise and format of this podcast. It will be uh, called the Jeremy Clarkson Experience. (laughs) 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 Mm, Nice. (laughs) oh good stuff good stuff right so a bit of context so i first heard about sparkle horse when i was a young a young man of i don't know how old but i wasn't very tall so probably quite young my dad had a cassette in his car and on one half of it had a good chunk of soft bulletin and the other half i'm the other side i'm pretty sure had the entirety of this album i think it might have, it might not have done actually. It might have cut off like right at the end on like Sad and Beautiful World. Mm. So it might have cut off Gasoline Horses. Hopefully not. Well, I think it might have done because thinking about it, it might have been 45 minutes aside. And this album is slightly longer than 45 minutes. It's 47, mm. uh, which would be just about enough, about the length of, of Gasoline Horses. So yeah, I think that was the one that was missing yeah. from it, at least in the car. But we didn't mind because, you know, the other half was the Soft Bulletin, arguably the best album to come out of the 1990s. So I would definitely put that up there. I don't feel that's contentious. No, it's not contentious. You know, I... The only contentious thing about the Soft Bulletin is it's near on £50 to buy it on vinyl. Really? Yeah, it's really expensive. Why? Because <laughs> well, it's awesome and I don't think they're really in print at the moment. But that's mm. nothing compared to... The Mollusk by Ween, £109 was the cheapest I could find. What? Yeah. What, for a, for a repress? For, or a, for repress. a repress. And apparently the represses are absolute. Hold on, hold on. Oh, no, I haven't got it. I thought I had the shite <laughs> um, jazz club sting. <laughs> but no, apparently the repress of Ween is not great at all. Like, is that go. because they were using the CD master rather than? I don't know. don't know. Who knows? Who knows? Mm. Shame. Yeah. Shame. And you first got into Sparkle Horse when I told them about you a few weeks, but when I told you about them about a few weeks ago. Oh, uh, well. Is that right? Actually. Actually. I, I, through doing some research today, yeah, I hadn't really heard of them prior to meeting you, Jake. I think they've come a couple of times within our tenure as friends and colleagues mm. and podcast co hosts. But. I did find a compilation album that they were on that I listened to hmm. about ten years ago, which also oh, really? featured it was a it was a themed compilation and it featured some from Marilyn Manson and Fallout Boy as well as Sparkle Horse. Really? Have you heard of this? No. Was it one of the songs he did with Danger Mouse? No, or? this is so it's a compilation, a Frank re remix. And it's the it's called Nightmare Revisited. Oh, the... Um, Nightmare Before the Christmas. Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah. What one did he do on that? He did Jack's Obsession, which sounds like this. Something's wrong with Jack. Something's wrong with Jack. Don't know if we're ever gonna get him back. He's was all right but i mean not nearly as cool as marilyn manson 
he was having way too much fun doing that with all the boys. I think so. And, and he was the perfect man to do it as well, let's be honest. Well, no I've got to, I've got to hold you there, Jake, because actually this one was the perfect one. They did this so well that I had zero respect for them prior to hearing this and then 100% respect for them after. This is Fallout Boy. Legendary. Really, Beautiful. really good. Really good. So that was the first time I heard of them anyway. Oh, fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. Maybe not the best best way to get into them. Uh, mm, no. Wasn't I think I would have much rather have heard this album. Yeah, much much more representative. I think they just kind of went from, hey, you've got a kind of falsetto-y voice. Why don't you do the, mm. the high song? And he was like, okay. Mm. Um, <laughs> and Danny Elfman was somewhere absolutely seething. They're singing mm. my songs. I must break you. Doing it wrong. You're doing you, it wrong. Yeah. Did you have a listen to? So what? Stop getting Bond wrong. Stop getting Bond um, wrong. Did yeah. you listen to Danny Elfman's? Yeah. yeah. New song, Happy. Yeah. Did you see the video? No. What What were your thoughts? I didn't oh, see Oh, you it. didn't see the video? No. Oh, you need to watch the video. Um, you got to send it to some to me somewhere other than Zoom. I'll, um, I'll do it through WhatsApp. Okay. Because I wind up closing Zoom and going, oh. You didn't get the thing. Yeah. Can't you go back into the room afterwards, though? I don't meeting. know. I don't know. I haven't. I don't know. I don't I don't. Sounds yeah. technical. Sounds yeah. technical. Yeah. That's fair enough. So when was this album released, anyway? Beaver Dixie Submarine Transmission Plot was released in 1995, Stefan. Same year that Linkus formed the band. As I said earlier, he was the only constant member up until his death in 2002. 10, and it was kind of a thing that he just started doing after he moved out of LA to get away from the the 80s LA music scene, which had, mm. according to him was all like glam rock and stuff like that, and he just couldn't deal with glam well, rock. Poison, um, which crew. is fair enough, you know. Yeah. I don't think I. Yeah, and also to kind of kick his drug habit, which had picked up being part of the LA music scene. And fair enough, if I had to live through having to, you know, nothing but poison and motley crew, I'd want something to help me get through it too. That's understandable. Was that a was that a poison uh, reference? Nothing but it wasn't because I've I don't really listen to enough poison to make any poison references. I really wouldn't if I was you. If that's all right. No. <laughs> and there we have it. There we have it. That's why he turned to drugs. He had to live through that, you know. Exactly. Bombarded. At all times, you'd walk into a shop, you'd have Poison and Motley Crue. Yeah. But not good Motley Crue, the bad Motley Crue. And not, is it Del, no, Belle Biv DeVoe? That girl is Poison. Sure. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I don't know that one. Okay. That's, never never trust a big butt and a smile. Uh, my Jake. ignorance that's, is showing here. Yeah, that's literally the lyrics. That girl is Poison. Never trust a big butt and smile. Right, moving swiftly on. <laughs> So basically, yeah, he got there. He started kind of hanging out with all these local folk musicians and his brother and listening to what, and he, I quote, old time music. Mm -hmm. um, old time apparently meaning like the 60s. Is that old time music? I mean, it so is now. Oh, Because it was 60 years ago. But back then, the 60s, it's so old right now. Mm. 
I don't. I don't think what I've done there is that I took old, the Hansel though, quote, yeah. and changed oh, it. No, I got it. I got it. Uh, and basically, it was inspired him to reinvent his songwriting because uh, he'd been in a few bands before that, and a few. I think a few of his older songs made it onto this album. Definitely, someday I'll treat you good was one of his older things. Yeah, and it kind of shows, doesn't it? When, which we'll talk about when we get to it, but it's not like the rest of the album is not really. And I've got on my notes basically reinvented himself into Neil Young. Uh, Neil Young for the 90s. Yeah, Neil Young with like a a hint of Wayne Coyne. Yeah. I yeah, can definitely. I can Actually, only hear a, Wayne Coyne. Yeah. But there's there's certain phrases that he says or certain even just syllables and I'm thinking that sounds so Neil Young and then there's other times where it's just screaming Wayne Coyne of the flaming lips. Uh, that may just be because of the register that he sings in as well which just kind of hmm. hits both of their sort of areas that they like to stick to mm. which once again I, I dare say we'll get to as we as we go through each song yeah i'm going to give you a quote that i got off wikipedia here so although he once explained the album's idiosyncratic sound by admitting i didn't know what i was doing uh links purposely u- uh, used found sounds throughout the recording of the album these included sounds that he found on records sounds that he recorded and in one instance the sound that a defective amplifier was making when a guitar was plugged into it so kind of, yeah. Sonic experimentation. Yeah. Mm. Some of them, once again, you know, one of the songs is basically just a piece of music concrete, mm. which will, you know which one I mean. I don't, I won't, I won't spoil it now for anyone who's not heard the album. We'll, uh, we'll get to that. We'll ease you in. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Other than that, so a couple of fun facts. Well, a singular fun fact for this album. There's not many fun facts for this album, I'm afraid. Um, it's, not really a fun album <laughs> his drum machine has a credit on this album yes his drum machine is credited as al isis mm-hmm. and for anyone who doesn't know Elisis makes drum machines and it's mm. credited as drums but better which i liked i thought that was a nice touch yeah very tongue-in-cheek and um, more just a bit more about mark linkus i say he he released you know all of the sparkle horse albums i think critically were quite well regarded. I don't know if they were commercially all that successful, though. But certainly, yeah, critically, he was very well regarded. He and he did a lot of compilations, uh, collaborations rather, with very highly regarded, you know, artists and musicians. Mm. So mm. Tom Waits, P.J. Harvey, Danger Mouse, Daniel Johnston, David Lynch, and Radiohead, who I think Radiohead was sort of responsible for them having quite a big break. Yeah. They toured so, with Radiohead early on, I think. Big fans of this album. Yeah. And that's led to an incident that nearly killed him and then led to a slightly more kind of even somberer tone on the next album. Yeah. I mean, one of the one of the first things I did was look up him and obviously, yeah. Spoiler alert, he he killed himself. Not that mm. long ago. Ten years ago. Yeah. And uh for me, listening to the album over the last couple of days, for me, that really kind of hung over the album, if you will. And it's, it's probably similar to what, you know, you and I experienced through Nirvana and and so on, where we're looking at everything through the rear view mirror almost, you know. So it does, knowing, knowing yeah. obviously that he he died, he killed himself, committed suicide, so that kind of adds to the melancholic kind of somberness of the album posthumously mm, yeah 
I think a lot of people found the same things. They kind of went back and you could kind of see, oh, man, yeah, there there were signs that, you know, mm. something wasn't right throughout. Oh, but that's, that's it. We, but, we never really pick up on the signs in real time, do we? No. Yeah. Well, and the thing is as well, the thing is as well, it's like the length of time between this album and when he did kill himself, what was that, 13 years? So, you know, mm. things happened in 13 years. So you dare say he'd have had his ups and downs over that time. Mm. You mm. Know? But we can't know that. All we get is the snapshots that he left for his music. Well, so, that's it. And speaking of which, should we have a listen? Let's have a listen. Right, so let's kick it off. Track one, Homecoming Queen. I really like this one as a start to the album. I think it's really refreshing to have something that's not really kind of bombastic and in your face as a starter. Most of the albums we've done, I even went back and had a listen to to a lot of them. 
most of them have been really full on. A couple of exceptions, like John Martin's not not going to be full on, is he? He's John Martin, that evil, evil son of a Depen- bitch. Yeah, it depends uh, on how many drinks he's had. That bitch, John yeah. Martin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, it's just like it's it's just quite nice just to be able to put this album on and just sit down and know that you're not going to have like someone trying to get you back out of that chair straight away. You know, you can actually mm. sit down. Easy win. Yeah, it, just take it in and let it. It's definitely you. a format, isn't there? Usually, and we learn that quite early on, especially when we start gigging. It's like you've got to do two songs at least that are like way in your face to start off your set, and then you can start to mellow out. There are yeah. rules to the road, man. Then, as you start gigging more, you realize, oh wait, no, no, you need to have a sound. So you need to let something feed back or something to kind of draw people's attention before you even start playing, mm. and then. And then hopefully it's at that point you start to become a band that people are actually paying to come and see and you don't have to do that shit anymore. You can open yeah. whatever you want. And then you join a uh, band where the lead singer just goes, you know, I'm going to sing the first song 100% myself, but I'm not even going to turn my guitar up all that loud. <laughs> yeah, to try and force people yeah. into paying attention. Gorilla gigging. Doing, which can go one of two ways yeah. really, isn't it? To be, be fair, that did work, work really, really well. Or no one's going to realise yeah. you've started. Well, I can't remember a time that it didn't yeah. work really well, yeah. actually. But there is, as I say, the risk where yeah. it doesn't. Well. Yeah, and so just big fan of, once again, throughout this album, it's not a, a lot of overly complex anything, really, whether that's structure or instrumentation or dynamics mm. or anything like that. It's quite quite simple. And this one is literally just him, guitar, bass comes in for the chorus, and that's about it. And I wasn't sure if it's like a, a really heavily affected guitar or a keyboard that gives a little bit of harmony throughout. I don't think I got that far. Oh, no, it's right yeah. at the beginning. It's, no, um, as in like I've listened to the whole thing, but I don't think I've gone that deep into it. Oh, that far into it. I, I couldn't work out what it was, but either way, it's just a really nice harmony to go alongside it. And a really dodgy tape loop of an organ grinder or or a carousel mm. or something like that, which kind of gives it this really woozy, drunken mm. feel. Mm. Other than that, that's kind of all I've got. A few nice references to Shakespeare, Richard III. My horse, my horse, kingdom. Are you my sure horse. he's referencing Shakespeare and not Richard the Third by Supergrass? Had that come out at that point, ninety five? I don't not, think it would no. have done. But he may have known. Also, I don't know if he'd have known who Supergrass he would have were. known. Okay. I don't know how big they were. In he the would States. have known, Jake. He'd he would have, have known. known. Okay. He'd have known. Oh, he just knows. As Coombs came out of the womb, and yeah, it just has. And everybody, everybody just sat there like. That's usually usually safe for Peter Gabriel. Oh, you cut yeah. the end of it off. Yeah. Nice. Well, I've I've put <laughs> Homecoming Queen. Oh, maybe true. Maybe sounds true. like a lullaby. Uh, I thought that was like you say a really nice way to start the album with that kind of just gentle little lullaby, and there's some fantastic harmonic mm. movement throughout the chords. I think kind of sets you up in that first song to go. Okay, 
this is not some chump. This is this is a bloke that knows his knows his way around the guitar and knows his chords and his harmony and his theory and so on. Yeah. Mm. I say not overly complex, but it kind of shows he knows what he's doing enough that he doesn't need, to, I think, to kind of compensate by doing. Yeah. Look at my chops. Yeah, exactly. The chops. Uh, only other note I've really got for this is just a general feel, theme of decay uh, and deterioration throughout mm. it as well. I it would really help if I had the lyrics up, but I've not got the lyrics up. So just take my word mm. for it, guys. Um, Head to friend of the show, genius.com. <laughs> or um, actually, I, I'm going to sh- give some credit out to uh, someone else actually at the moment because this came up when I was doing some research and it was really actually helpful for giving little little succinct um, breakdowns of the song and their opinions on it, and some of which I agreed with, some of which I didn't. Okay. But the actual kind of thought process behind it was explained quite well. Alan Bumstead. Thank you, how, Alan. How do you spell uh, that? <laughs> I have to say, for giving me the words that I needed. B-U-M, like bum, S-T-E-A-D. He has a WordPress. Oh, okay. So... I'm just going to give him a little bit of credit as a source on this one because um, because he was. Oh, lovely. So that leads on nicely then to Weird mm-hmm. Sisters. Another mm-hmm. slow one. Another slow one, but we've got mm-hmm. drums now. We've got a full band. Yeah, the other people do exist. I once I'm not gonna mention Neil Young too much throughout this. Do we I do we need I'm to mention, mention Neil Young then, too much throughout this? I think I only mentioned him. Do we need him. to mention that when I asked you who Sparkle Horse were or what they're like, you just said Neil Young? Yeah, I feel like we should, yeah. Neil Young, if Neil Young had started doing Neil Young in the <laughs> 90s instead of started doing Neil Young back in olden times. Speaking of Neil Young, a shout out to Disgraceland, the podcast. I found out through their episode on Rick James. That one of Rick James' first bands actually featured Neil Young on guitar. Was he in Crazy Horse? No, no, no. It was Rick no, James no, no. in Crazy Horse? Neil Young was in Rick James's band, not the other way around. I don't believe you. You should look it up. Look it up. You're wrong. Look it up. I will yeah. look it up. Apparently. <laughs> I yeah. knew that was coming. Let's, anyhow, moving away from Rick James, back to Neil Young. This is possibly, I, I think, the most Neil Young mm. song on this album. I'm just trying to think, actually. I'm going to have to listen to the guitar sound again, but it's just like everything about it sounds like it could have been, could have been. Is is the guitar down tuned? <laughs> I think it's just okay. drop D. Love the groove on this. <laughs> 
something they did, at least this is what I'm assuming, they did quite a lot on this album, especially with the acoustic instruments. It's really, really mm. close mic mm. it. Like you can really hear the strings rattling against, you know, uh, mm. getting the fret buzz going. Like that. I think the same with any of the songs where he's kind of almost whispering. You can really hear his breath yeah. and how breathy. So I think everything was really closely mic'd. It just has this really, I don't know, I don't, I don't want to say things that are intentionally vague, like honest sound to it, but it's, you know, it, it doesn't sound really produced or, you know, over it's quite, quite raw, so, right, isn't it? Mike, yeah. play, yeah. done. I, I get the, I get the vibe and you might not agree with this, but you mentioned them before. I get a real big radio head vibe from this song. Specifically yeah, I can see that. where yeah, this I, I is can, like they come crawling in. Absolutely. The way, just the way that he sings it kind of, yeah, really screams Tom York out to me. The parasites will love you when you're dead. I, I can totally see that. Uh, I don't disagree with you at all, actually. That's a... So for, for a first time ever, that's it. We have that's a sound it. purchase this first. Is the people, last we agree. The sound purchase. <laughs> yeah, it's been a fun yeah, run. Uh, <laughs> but it's you know, once again though, this is another quite gloomy song. It conjures up some really, you know, mm. really quite nasty images. You know, of dead bo- parasitic mm. dead bodies and a, a woman running across screaming while her hair's on fire. You know, it's like. But you wouldn't get that from if you're just listening to the music and the melody. You're just yeah. Like, oh, yeah, it's quite a nice little you know, laid back little number. No, as well. Exactly. Which once again is is part of what I think you know makes Neil Young so good is mm. the messages he gives out. Well, apart from like rocking in the pre world, <laughs> but a lot of the times the messages he gives out aren't overtly, um, <laughs> you know, or or Springsteen even. You know, he's really good at hiding quite political messages in songs that don't come across as yeah. being super yeah, yeah. angry or well, and political, you know, uh, and there is a, it's worth us pointing that. out the rocking in the free world is your favorite Neil, Neil. I nearly said Neil Finn. Oh, Neil Finn. <laughs> yeah. It's also my favorite Neil. If Neil Finn did a cover, I'm sure it'd be yeah. my favorite. No, one. uh, rocking in the free world is your is your favourite Neil Young Rocking song? In the Free World is great. Yeah. I'm not saying it's not great. It's just uh, actually it got relegated. Second oh. favourite Neil Young song, Cortez the Killer. Is oh, the, uh, specifically the Live Rust one. I don't know. I do quite like the studio one, but I do. Hard to say. Hard to say. Hard to say. But yeah, this is kind of obviously he's not conjuring up political imagery. He's conjuring up horrible. I've had a nightmare, and it's, this is some mm. kind of hellscape mm. imagery, but while keeping it nice and lovely and. And obviously, you've got to mention Credence Clearwater revival because Bad Moon okay. Rising, which is what he quotes in the lyrics. I didn't, I didn't catch on to that, so I'll have to go back and have a listen. I'm surprised. I'm surprised you didn't. The only note I've got is that the keyboard breaks. I really like the keyboard breaks. I'm assuming they're keyboards. Probably he could play a lot of stuff. So yeah, the pseudo producer in my head. Is sitting there thinking, might it have been better if there was like horns in there instead of the keyboards? Playing the same thing, but just, you know, the horns might lend a bit more gravitas to it. 
I think part of the issue might have been because it was him and the other producer, uh, what's his name? David Lowry, I think his name is. Yeah. He was in Band Cracker. He was also in Camper Van Beethoven, which I think is a great name for a band. Mm. It's no bipolar beer. It might have just been it might have just been that they couldn't play horns and they didn't know anyone who could play horns. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I get the impression uh, that it's just mostly them and some people that they knew. Oh. Yeah, probably no doubt. I am um, not the band, no doubt, but probably no doubt you are right. I get what you're saying, yeah. Mm. Though I can see that being a cool thing. But once again, it may have been another choice of just would that have maybe detracted it from the, you know, taken it too far away from the rest of the album Yeah, to start throwing in the horns? Quite possibly. Possibly. I don't know. Next track, 800... Uh, no one knows. We, we'll never know. Mm. Um, oh, well, actually, we, we could just ask David Lowry. He's he's still alive. Oh, okay. Lowry? Lowry? I don't know. I don't know. But we're not going to. No. Because uh, there has to be some mystery left in the world, Stefan. Otherwise, Absolutely. Absolutely. Next track, uh, for, sorry, track in flying air, air rabbit mm. fingers. 850 Double Pumper Holly. I think he's giving specs for a car. Because all I've managed to find out is that that's a Carburetta. I wouldn't know. I'm, uh, yeah. So I think he's giving specs for his car. And then he just, and then apparently his base has the same specs. So he gives all these bits out. It repeats the 850 double pump holly a few times. Mm. And then someone asks, what about the base? And he says, same. And then that's it. <laughs> it's a weird. Yep. Winterlude thing, I guess. The I, first of a couple of weird little Winterlude things, really. I like to view this more as like uh, the early hip hop album skits. Like if you've heard the early okay. Eminem albums. Mm. Yep. And so on. I mean, or, um, I definitely don't think yeah. that that's what he intended. I'm just drawing those connections in my mind. I think he's like kicking old school hip hop skits like early early Eminem, Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, etc. But I don't think it's intentional. I'm I th- I feel like I I am connecting those dots in my mind if that makes sense. Maybe that's what you wanted to do though, just kind of get people thinking what's this about? Mm. Or I don't know, maybe he's kind of going for more of uh, an art piece thing so it's just like well, not everything has to be, you know, melodic and, and things to have have a mm. rhythm to be mm. music or art or, or whatever. I don't know. Maybe he just liked the sound of something he'd recorded someone saying and just thought, well, that's going on the album. Yeah, <laughs> he know? might have literally he just certainly done did that with other things. Yeah. Yeah. Although I feel like I did read that he recorded his mum leaving an answer phone message or something. And that made it on yes, the album. Yes, we'll get to that one. Okay. Yeah, quite oh. prominently. We'll uh, we'll get to that when we get to that. All right. So there you go. Nice short, easy one for you. Yeah. We don't know people. We don't know. Eight fifty. Double pumper. How? 
850 double pumper hound. 850 double pumper hound. 850 double pumper hound. And uh, 360 uh, single plane intake. Rainmaker. I'll let you. Do you want to lead off on this one? I've done the offering. I've got two notes. There's a weird snare echo in the right ear. Yep. Thank you. Yep. Is that not just me? Like I was wondering. I was wondering if my headphones are broken. No, no, no. It's it's something. No, it's something. I meant. So you remember how we mentioned last week on Asia about this, the drum being kind of panned. So you got this the snare in one ear and then the reverb went off into the other. Oh, yeah. Well, I think they've done like a really, really short version of that. Okay. Where I think it either starts in one ear and moves across to the other one so quickly or yeah. it pan, it just goes from like slightly to the right to completely out there, but in the, you know, a couple of milliseconds sort mm, of thing. Mm, mm. It does sound quite strange. Yeah. Well, I was, I was sitting there trying to actually figure out what was going on because you instantly hear it coming in your right ear. But I was thinking, I swear mm. I'm getting it in the left as well before I hear it in the right. But I think you're right. I think it is rapid that they're sending that across. Mm. Yeah. Really cool. Yeah. Which is, um, I think possibly they recorded it and went, oh, that snare sounds a bit weak, doesn't it? Yeah. And they thought, what can we do? And it's like, well, we won't re-record it. We're just going to make it sound so weird that people won't, Pick up on it. <laughs> Why not? You know, that's the best way to do it, right? Yeah. I think so. You know, Cover it up, make it sound weird. Yeah. Some people yeah, might even call sure. you a genius. <laughs> the only other note I have for this one is I'm getting strong Neil Young vibes from this one. I say I, I did promise I wouldn't mention them, but Stefan is more than welcome to. So uh... it's going to come up a lot. But I mean, again, old Neil Young. But yeah, yeah, we've we need to preface this that Jake prefaced this whole album for me by just saying, yeah, it sounds like Neil Young. So I've I've gone into this, yeah, yeah, thinking it's about true. it. It's true. It's yeah. true. Yeah, uh, I think part of the reason as well for that is something I've got in my notes is just how trashy and, and almost cheap the guitars sound on this. He's been Mm-hmm. So it doesn't sound like they've gone in with like an expensive or even a kind of semi-expensive, you know, like a Vox or a Fender or a whatever it's like. They've got they've got a silver tone amplifier or something like that, mm-hmm. you know, something really cheap that you'd have picked up from um, Sears and they've gone, right, that's the amp, crank it. Yeah, well, I mean, some, some of the time those whatever, things whatever they, make the best of records though. You know, when you, I mean, well... Yeah, when yeah, when you're absolutely. starting out, especially in the when you're talking like '50s rock and roll, those guys were mainly playing Sears catalog guitars. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Mm. Well, that's what gave us Dan Electro, and people still, you know, get Dan Electros because nothing sounds like a Dan Electro. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. the Masonite bodies with the lipstick pickups. That mm. nothing else sounds like that. Mm. Uh, does it sound good? Debatable, but. It has a sound, and when you need that sound, nothing else will do it. I'm I'm not going to comment. And it's the same, yeah, like you say. With, with <laughs> I, I don't have a Dan Electro, and like, you it's do. Good enough so for, uh, I'm not going to comment. Jimmy Page, the stealer of riffs, it's good enough for everyone else. 
Oh, Jimmy Page, The Edge. Uh, mine's not made of masonite, though. What's your one? My one's made of, uh, is it basswood or basswood? I think it's basswood, isn't it? Is it fishy? One of those things I've seen written down. I don't think I've ever heard anyone say it. No. Hey. We have a badum tish. We right, used we need, to. We, we need don't to get a badum tish. Yeah, I've just got... Jane. Yeah, but that's not... That's not good for a bad joke. It will substitute for a badum psh. But yeah. Yeah. That's good enough. That's fine. Um, in fact, I've actually said everything sounds a little bit weird on this, apart from the bass. Obviously, mm. we've mentioned the snare. We've mentioned the fact the guitars are a little bit off. And this is the first instance on this album of the megaphone effect, I think. Yeah. I don't or, think it had yeah. a full megaphone on the previous ones, which he was a big fan of uh, throughout this album. And, and him live, and Scott he Wieland. used it quite a lot as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's very easy, I think, for that to sound a bit rubbish, the megaphone effect. But I think the fact that he committed to it and just had it right, that's the sound for the entire song. Yeah. Sort of made it, makes it work, you know? Yeah. And bit. the other thing I just talked about this song is I really love the guitar work. Mm. Now, I mm -hmm. really love the guitar work on this. Um, mm -hmm. which is quite simple stuff. Like you've got your two guitars which are doing the same thing and then they just start diverging from each other in little ways of little, mm. you know, little licks or little, you know, embellishments and things like that. And then you get the guitar solo and it's like, oh, that's actually a, a proper sounding guitar that they've somehow made out of this cheap sounding guitar. Absolutely great, you know, um, beautiful stuff. It is, it is a contender for favourite song off the record. Good, because yeah. uh, it's same for me. <laughs> yeah, I've I've got three, yeah. I think, that are, uh, yeah, that are contenders. Is it all of the louder ones? Oh, yes. I'll guess them at the end. Okay. 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 All right, we'll, we'll move through them because there are quite a few songs on this album, so yeah. we will crack, crack. So it's not a long album, but there's just... A, a lot of songs. Mm. So next track, Spirit Ditch. So we've gone back to just him and his guitar mm -hmm. and like a tambourine that just like at the end of each bar just does a little tick mm. tick like that it's like barely in there at all everything i say everything that is in here just has space mm. there's so much space because there is a few bits going on it's not just him and one guitar there is a couple of guitars mm. and like the barest, like Pubba would l love the dr the drumming on this, just because there's barely any of it on there. <laughs> you know, it's just like yeah, yep, just yeah. kick, snare, hat, snare. You know, which yeah, may maybe a little bit too minimalist even for him. I'm not sure. 
but it's it's almost the drumming of a non-drummer. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's, exactly. it's almost the kind Which of I can keep works, a beat. Though. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Mm. Some people make careers out of that. I kind of feel like it's not the non-drummer though, because the non-drummer probably would have been hatting and snaring more regularly, and I don't know. It, it feels very reserved. I, I, yeah, Typically, I mean, it you, could be if you that can't as well. Play an instrument, it's hard to be reserved. Yeah. I, I teach a lot of kids that uh, want to play drums, and as soon as you try and introduce the hi hat, that throws mm. them. They can do the foot and they can do the snare. That's all good, kind of thing. Which is odd when you think about it. Surely having that hand to keep in your time for basic 4 4 stuff is, is what makes it even. That's the easy stuff, right? I think for us, for us as like 10 years musicians, I think it's more getting, getting your foot and other hand moving alongside the the right hand. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, So yeah, the the coordination. Yeah. Mm, mm. Same problem. I think people have with singing and playing. If Mm. you're singing a melody and then playing a different one, that can be Mm. confusing, can't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Back to this. It's just really nice, long strummy chords. Really nice picking parts, and this is the one we mentioned with the voicemail from his mum on it. Mm. Apparently, he just was trying to come up with a solo for that part or, or just something to put in there. Mm. He decided to take a break and go check his voicemail. That was on there, and he just started playing it over the top, and it yeah. was like, "That's brilliant, excellent. That saves me a job." <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, it worked out quite nicely for him. It all fit on there, and um, he just went, "Yeah, Dave, just throw that on there. I'm gonna get myself some coffee." Cracking through and we're getting through it. So, next song, Tears on Fresh Fruit. Once again, this this when I was younger, uh, back in my I Love Loud Noisy Things, this was my favourite song. Yeah. It is kind of the sound of the 90s. Big, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. big loud guitars, simple simple riffs, lots of shouting and... Oh, Christ, my chair's just dropped on me. Oh, There we go, I'm back. And... Um, just and great greater numbers. Noisy, lo-fi, and thank you very much. All right. And according to Alan, uh, Alan Bumstead over at WordPress.com, uh, quite dirgy, which until he until I read that, I was thinking, is it quite dirgy? And I listened back to it, I was like, oh, it kind of is, actually. What do you mean? You know, so dirges tend to be quite almost monotonous, don't they? They don't tend to, so particularly things like, uh, and actually, I'll, I'll I'll get to this in a second. So, the the la 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 las, for example, they're mm. not happy la 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 las, are they? La, 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 la
No, which part of part of my thinking behind this is it's a bit of kind of maybe about feeling emotionally detached. Okay. Uh, hence the kind of monotonous la 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 la, mm. which is kind of the lullaby that he's got going on in his head while he watches a girl cry. He's kind of just like, all right, uh, and he doesn't really feel anything for anything. At least that's that's mm. the the takeaway I had from it. Okay, that's it's an interesting take. It's probably a good time now, actually, to rectify something from the last episode. Last week, I was, I was absolutely saying Deacon Blues is the worst track on the record by um, Steely Dam on Asia. And then now it's taken me a week, but since our jazz correspondent Jack told me about his feelings about the song and was talking about what he thought the song meant, I was like, oh, my God. And it's been in my head all week. So similar with this one, maybe, now that you talk about it. Well, what were your thoughts about it before? Well, I've got two notes. First one is like, now we're talking. Yeah, awesome. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm getting a super big Smashing Pumpkins vibe on this song. That's that's all I I can hear is Billy Corgan. It's peak peak 90s. Yeah, but it's not like crazy whiny Billy Corgan. No, but I could see him singing this actually. I can hear him. Singing exactly, in my that's head. that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, it's it's not like he sounds like Billy Corgan, but I can hear Billy Corgan in my head singing it. No, and I'm not sure. Is it? I'm not sure if it's the megaphone effect he's got going on again. He's got some weird effect going on in his voice, though, hasn't he? Maybe I can't remember. I don't. I don't want to tempt fate and start playing it from a laptop. I'm going to have a quick listen. Uh, I think it might just be the megaphone effect. Or it might just be mm. a bit of distortion, to be honest. Maybe. Which is always a nice, easy way to make your vocals sound like they've got a bit more, you know, oomph to them, isn't it? I am a fan of distortion on the, on the microphone. I do like a bit of distortion. Mm. Yeah. Distortion on everything. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Literally, just put it on the master bus uh, and just be like, right, that's it. Frank it. I really hope you've got some notes for the next one because apparently I didn't write any. I've got two notes and they're not great. Ah, go for it. Okay, so the next song is Saturday. Mm. My first note, Wayne Coyne. Yes, yeah. My second note, Neil Young. <laughs> yeah, that's this is one where it definitely goes kind of like Wayne Coyne singing a Neil Young song. Yeah, but there's just like I say, there's certain syllables. Yeah, that he says, and it just sounds spot mirror image of Neil Young. But for the most part, it's Wayne Coyne. So much so, really, that I sit there and think, is Wayne Coyne just doing a big kind of Neil Young thing throughout his whole career? Has he developed his vocals off of Neil Young singing? Wayne Coyne? Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. I'd have to go back and listen to the entirety of the Flaming Lips discography. Mm. And what an awful thing that would be. Actually, I say that. They have had a couple of stinkers, but... They can't all be winners, but... They do have some absolute belters as well. Oh, come on. The Soft Bulletin is... Just unmatched. It's one of the best albums ever made. Mm. 
certainly one of the best studio albums. You know, it's like really showcases exactly what you can do when you've got the time and the know-how and the, you know, fortitude to, yeah. you know, make it. Yeah, exactly. To, you know, really sit down and go to town on an album. Mm. They released a live a live version of it recently as well. Oh, did they? Yeah, the um, live soft bulletin. Very nice. I didn't know that. I'll check that out. Yeah, you can check report that. back um, to us. Yeah, this is a nice short one. I, I will. Don't you worry. Uh, yeah, this is a nice short one. So it's only well, not even two minutes long. No, it's not really as deep potentially as some of the other ones. It's mm. it very much seems to be you're amazing and I love you and uh, I can't tell you right now. I'll tell you on Saturday. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Which it seems to work. Um, mm. Got a few like weird, weird bits to it. Describing someone as you are the car, you are the hospital. It's like a bit weird, but. Excellent use of metaphor. Yeah. So excellent that I've been unable to extrapolate what he means through his metaphor. Uh, <laughs> Those are the best kind of metaphors. Didn't you know that? And and I'm sure it's it's my ignorance and not his metaphor use. I'm sure. Maybe. Almost certain. Almost certain. Well, let's just put it this way. Teaching year sevens how to use metaphors. I've probably heard worse metaphors. You probably have. Uh, let's yeah. be honest, be, having once been year sevens learning to use metaphors, we've probably made worse metaphors. Let's let's be frank. I don't think I really knew what a metaphor was until I was 18, Jake. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. I could do a simile I mean, like as, no as, a, as a nearly 30-year-old man, I still make... <laughs> hey! I see what you did there. I, I was trying the, to think uh, of a way of getting sound. similes wrong and doing a uh, doing a metaphor instead, but I, I'm not that quick. It's fine. It's fine. Never mind. It, if you want to, keep thinking about it, and we can we can do it later, <laughs> and you can we can edit it back in. I'll cut it in after the the end fade out. Yeah, where the music slowly gets yeah. more and more distorted as we fade it out. That's going to be our new signature. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, but only the drums. Oh. Only the drums. That was okay. that was the thing. I don't know if we can do that. Even if we have to add a drum track over it just so that we can make that <laughs> drum track distorted. Next song is Cow. Yep. We're going to jump onto the next song. So if you had the vinyl version of this, I'm going to do this in Little Bastard Choo Choo together because they kind of blend in. One one mm -hmm. flows so nicely into the other that I'm just going to combine them. And also, if this was the vinyl, that would be the end of side one. Okay. Which I actually think kind of, being that that's, what, nine songs on the first side? Yeah. Kind of makes it feel like side one is an album in itself. And then side two would be another album. So you kind of get a double album, but just on one album. I got some new vinyls the other day, yeah. Jake. And there's a major problem with one of them. They're all by our Lord and Saviour. And uh, one of the, they're all his live albums. But one of them in particular, the first side is 30 minutes long. 
30 minutes long. Yeah, they generally say that you That's should quite keep long. sides to like 22 minutes. That's, max. Yeah. 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 And I mean, we're talking Which about, again, we're talking about our Lord and Saviour, Peter Gabriel. And he uh, he even said, you know, that when he was making so, he had to change the track listing. He always wanted In Your Eyes to be the last song. But due to the vinyl format, he had to force that to the first song on the second side because the grooves were a bit bigger, which meant you get more bass. Yeah. So right. this is the, the cool. same guy. Yeah. Con- contradictory. Yeah. Ridiculous. If I ever see him again, you know. I suppose. I fart in your general direction. So you're calling, you've called him a sellout. Now you're calling him a hypocrite. <laughs> Anything else you want to add to that? Crucify him. <laughs> uh, did you yeah. mention that just so that you'd have the chance to set uh, to use that sting? No, <laughs> that sting, no, no, I'm no. Use it. I've got it. No, no, no. I was just thinking. I need to use the um. Need to use the. Fair enough. Peter Gabriel sting. We haven't talked about him enough this this episode. That's fair enough. Mm. You've got to get your quota in. Exactly. But yeah, so really nice way to end it. It's it's a long one. This is like the longest song on the album. This is like three songs in one in terms mm. of length. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, so the average song on here is about two minutes, maybe, maybe two two twenty. Yeah, this something is seven like that. minutes and. Yep. How many seconds? Seven minutes, 12. It's, it's a long old song because, once again, it does the full Neil Young thing of just letting them just play and play and play. Like the vocals, or well, the actual song vocally finishes at about the three-minute mark, something like that. Yeah. And then it just goes off and he just lets like loads of feedback come in and go out as it needs to. Mm. They're just playing and doing their thing and just jamming out. And... I really love and I say I think it's a great way to to finish this side of the album yep. I do wonder partially how much of that was like we need to get the length of this album up to at least 45 minutes uh, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah otherwise it's basically just an EP yeah otherwise yeah. it's a otherwise it's a 16 track EP <laughs> <laughs> can you even have a 16 Which track is fine, EP but um that is that allowed no, I think once you reach, I think once you reach so many tracks, it's classed as an album. Yeah, um, I think it's either yeah. length of time or number of tracks, but I can't remember exactly. Right. But yeah, I just kind of love it. Just gains a life of its own almost, mm. and then goes into little kind of fades out as little bastard choo choo fades in. And this is where you get yep. that music concrete thing of him basically making the sound of a train with weird sounds. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. For, because why not? Well, yeah, because well. because it took him an afternoon to do it, and it's going on the album. Damn it! Yeah. You know. <laughs> <laughs> <It's>, uh... Yeah. <laughs> I I would love to be a fly on the At wall. Least that's in that the only thing I can think of. Yeah. <laughs> now, uh, him and this... the executives from Capitol Records. He's like, yeah. I spent twelve hours. <laughs> This is my musical manifesto. Cutting up these and, sounds 
and making a goddamn mechanical train. It's going on there. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, dear. That's what I think happened. Fair enough, yeah. You know, yep. yeah. And then that concludes side one. And what happens if you don't have the vinyl? Like, I don't have the vinyl. I've, I've always had it on CD or these days just Spotify because who's got a CD player anymore? What actually happens, it just cu- cuts out very abruptly and goes straight into hammering the cramps, which mm. I also very much like as a artistic choice, I guess, or as a track, as a track listing choice. So hammering the cramps as a vinyl thing, so as the first track on side two, really nice contrast to how the first half, the first side starts. Mm. Um, so almost, rather than just being you know, just the guitar and the breathy vocals, you've got the full band... Yeah, exactly. You've got your full band, you've got the big distorted guitars with the, once again, just kind of just doing the same thing, but heavily panned, and the only difference is the effects going on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So one's got like a, a flanger and a, and a tremolo, then the other one just seems to be like, right, just crank it. I kind of get the impression, that kind of thinking back on a lot of my songwriting and stuff, I think this one's actually probably quite a big influence on, on the way I like to write songs. I simple because <laughs> mm. it's like there's maybe five lines of lyrics in this song and there's yeah. probably only five chords in it <laughs> uh but but on that i've got to i've got to throw my hands up and say i really responded to the chorus in this because the lyrics there's four lines of the same line right this repeats the same yeah. line four times but he keeps Hammer changing the, the chords yeah. underneath them yeah and each time each time he says the line, there's a different set of chords under it. There's like there's different colours being painted. It's quite clever. Mm. You know, he doesn't just use the same four chords. Yeah. For a chorus like most of simple, us do. But very yeah. it's very, very cleverly done. And once again we've got the return of the megaphone. Mm-hmm. which kind of was, at least on this album, certainly like a signature sound for him, I suppose. Yeah. Um, but it kind of just helps it all just to, if it had been really clean, it would have, I think, sat out too much from the rest of the mix. So I think it really kind of helps it to sit a lot. And it, it makes it a little bit less jarring when the vocals get the tremolo mm. and the, the flanger. Yeah, which is what, that tiny little bridge that they have. There's yeah. massive flanger on the vocal. Captain Howdy's here, yeah. but you can't see him. Yeah, exactly. You can't see him. Huh? And then back into the chorus. Yeah. It's like... It's, it was, but yeah. I don't know what it's about. You know, it's just... A, he asks a dog if it can fly. He asks a car if it can fly. <laughs> Hammering the cramps. Captain Howdy's here. You can't see him. Hammering the cramps. Do you think hammering the cramps is some sort of like um, withdrawal thing? Like, you know, you get massive stomach cramps. Ah. So that's probably to do with his withdrawals when he was trying to kick his drug habits then. Okay. It could be. Yeah. Giving the song some context for me. Yeah. Possibly. 
again, it only comes about, I'm only thinking about that because of the Kurt Cobain episode this morning of Disgrace. Not a great way to treat your stomach cramps, let's be honest here. No, but it's still better than, who was the other guy the other day? Jerry Lee Lewis, who's just basically shooting up straight into his belly as opposed to his arm. Ooh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. 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 No, thank you. Nasty man. No, thank you. Yeah. Nasty man. Mm. Oh, well. Oh, well. Sucks to be them, I guess. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Most beautiful widow in town. Okay. Most beautiful widow in town. My first note, could they have moved the mics any closer <laughs> before they were touching... I know I mentioned about the close miking before, but seriously, in this song, it, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like you can just hear everything. Very intimate. Yeah, when he really, especially towards the end, when he starts really going for it, he mm. starts digging into it. Mm. it it's, uh, I'm going to assume it was a cheap guitar as well. It doesn't sound like it was a <laughs> like a Martin, know, a fancy guitar. <laughs> I've put that this is a slow waltz of three, four, kind of again, just one of those little contradictions oh, on the rest of the on the rest of the album. And there's like a weird. I, I don't want to call it a solo, but it's I've I've called it an interlude to finish the song, which is bizarre because I thought that was just going to be like the bridge, that was going to be like the solo section. Then all of a sudden, the song ended. Well, it was getting too long at. Uh... Just over three minutes, he was like, oh, that's too long. Yeah. Gotta, I uh, need time for my train sounds. Got to end it. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> 12 hours. 12 yeah. hours. Forget about the music. Without the music is all subsidiary. This it doesn't matter getting, as long as I the, get my train sounds. Well, it's the 90s as well. He'd have had to have spliced that all together by hand. Mm. Mm. You know, using, you know, slicing up tape and uh, slicing up tapes. Yeah. Mm. Probably. What else have I got for this? So, mics are closer. Da, da, da. Breathy quality, which I mentioned the breathiness from being close mic before, so I mm-hmm. don't feel I need to do it. Oh, another thing I like. So he's, obviously on this one, his voice isn't being affected at all. It is just him singing oh, okay. with a harmony that he, he kind of throws in as well. Mm. It kind of sounds like he's struggling a little bit. Like, there's some real waver to it. And once again, I just love that they've left that kind of thing in there. It just mm. makes it feel a lot more, more human. You are the most beautiful widow. You are the most yeah. Well, and again, quite um, intimate. Now I'm wondering if part of it's because yeah, exactly. Mm. I think trying to get notes when you can't belt it as well because if they're close and he was really close, Mike. Trying to get some notes if you have to be quiet, it is difficult to do. Mm. So. Yeah, well, and I think, you Fair know, it's, it's a common theme within our episodes that the imperfections are the small perfections on these records. It is it is those little snapshots of humanity that we like to see. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly.
Okie dokie, Heart of Darkness. All right. What have you got for this one? Is there a lap steel going in this one? As the sun burned down. There is a lap steel, and it sounds really otherworldly, I've put. Yeah. I couldn't I it, couldn't it, decide whether it was a lap steel or at times a synthesizer or at times just a normal guitar. Oh actually is there a difference between a lap steel and a pedal steel? Or are they just the same thing? I think they're the same thing. Pedal pedal steel you can also manipulate with pedals. Um lap steel I think is Okay, it's it's a pedal yeah. steel then. It's a similar thing. I think that's what I meant more more yeah, than anything. Which is how they get some of the Yeah. Because you can get the bends, can't yeah, you? Exactly. You push the pedal down, it bends. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so it's a pedal steel. But then... And it sounds really otherworldly. And, and this one is just screaming Wayne Coyne again. Well, I I think part of the thing that kind of really screams Flaming Lips to me, other than the vocals, is that pedal steel. Mm. That is um, absolutely something like Bad Days. <laughs> I think there was a pedal steel in Bad Days. Damn it. Which, is, which we can all agree is the what? best uh, Flaming Lips song. Purely because yeah, of Yeah, I was going to say, what I really needed there was a sting of like, Batman? Batman, you say? Batman, you say? Coming for you? <laughs> That's what I needed. <laughs> I haven't got it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was literally literally just saying today, uh, I can't wait till my son is old enough and I can start watching all of those kind of campy Batmans with him. I mean... Actually, no, he's he's not old enough for it yet. I was going to say, I've, I've, in my mind, I was thinking he's older than he is, but he's he's definitely not old enough. No, for <laughs> no, he's he's not old enough for no, bat nipples. He won't have to okay? be that much older. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to think. When did they come out? The Joel Schumacher. Ninety five, ninety eight. So I would have seen Batman and Robin in the cinema. Yep, me too. I don't know if I saw Batman Forever in the cinema. No, but time times were different. Don't forget that. Don't underestimate that. It's like we watched Back to the Future at school. That's true. We went when we went on tour a couple of years ago, and the amount of swearing in there, and even though it's a PG, and mm. I double checked everything, forgot about the swearings, got in a bit of trouble for that one. You fool, you yeah. numpty. I don't really have a lot more to say about that one. It's mostly just um, how otherworldly, yeah, it sounds, and something about bat nipples. <laughs> so, fair enough. I got a heart. So that kind of brings us on to the final of our weird little interlude things. Yeah, Ballad of a Cold Lost Marble. Basically, his amp broke. And he went, that sounds cool, and recorded it. And put some drums to it. That was it. Yeah, <laughs> I like it. I, li- I like the panning, though. The panning was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's even even something as simple as that, they've actually put some thought into mm. it, you know. It's... um. But by the same token, it's no choo-choo train. I, I probably wouldn't have done. I'd have probably just gone, it's it's not the choo-choo train. They didn't spend a whole day making mm. it. <laughs> We've gone from an afternoon but to a whole day now. It's allowed the choo-choo train that allowed him to slip. He's thinking about this it. Thinking, was a um, year of my life. It, it definitely wasn't an afternoon. It was a full day. <laughs> I needed to get the exact 
bites out. Do you have any idea how many times I had to drop that spoon to get that sound? <laughs> oh, there's actual tears forming. Three weeks of dropping <laughs> spoons. I spent my whole album budget buying spoons. In the end, I had to use a composite. It's my greatest shame. Oh, yeah. Well, I think we've discovered what our favorite track is now. I think I think if we don't say, yeah, if we don't say that, we're lying at this point. <laughs> just for the just for the pure backstory that we've created. Yeah. Yeah, but that's, you know, sometimes that's all you need in a song is the story you've got attached to it. Oh. Totally. You know. Totally. There you go. There you go. This this was a sound um, purchase. That's that's it. We're done. Yeah. Wow. Nice, Jake. I don't. So I like the way the you said. Conclusions that. we have to make. Uh, anything past this point? Yeah, I don't. I don't think we're going to ever get more elegant than that. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Mm. In fact, I don't think we should even end the episode. I think we, I should just say that, and then it just cuts out. No end credits. <laughs> yeah, full soprano style. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. All right, well, let's move on to the next one. So, Someday I Will Treat You Good. This is one of his older ones that he'd written from possibly a previous band he was in. I, mm. I don't know. But um, I said that the other one was peak 90s, but this one is the mandatory pop banger. <laughs> so, basically, I, what I reckoned was they only agreed to let him put Little Bastard Choo Choo on <laughs> if he included this, this song. Like, right, you can have your Little Choo Choo song, but we want our pop, pop banger. <laughs> No, our, our alt rock light banger. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you know, and it's it's got it all. It's got that cool thing where it's like on the radio at the beginning. Mm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which, if you actually had it coming through the radio, might have been a bit. Meta, which every time I've tried to do it, just sounds a bit shit. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know no, I know you. what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Always comes across as a bit too cheesy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, what did I put down? I put at the beginning. I I thought this was like in the style of Jimmy Eat World. Had that kind of like late nineties pop rock, oh, alt rock shout. sort of really happy vibe to it. Then the song actually kicked in, and I was like, oh, hold on, it's almost a song within a song. Yeah, kind of, I know what you mean, mm. sort of thing. Like with um, Queens of the Stone Age and their radio stations. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And they'd have like little jingles and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not a massive amount to say about this. It's a pop, alt-rock pop banger. Big fan of the feedback, just kind of like, oh, the feed, you know, at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And then it's back out of nowhere. Yeah. You know, and in greater numbers again. Yeah, absolutely. that joke never gets old. No, no, no. Uh, strong contender for favorite track. This this was my sit up song, and <laughs> for those of you that, well, none of you really know me, but let's just say there's not many sit ups happening. But when I say sit up, what I mean is like this is the one that made me sit up and actually really take this in and listen to it. 
I think I listened to this song five times in a row. I didn't even get to the next two songs. Really? I just kept repeating this song. Wow. Yeah. Yep. Um, I I really like the relentlessness of this song. Mm. Yep. And yeah. the solo. I say it's kind of. Sorry, you go. Like I said at the beginning, it's kind of sets it apart from the rest of the album. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, about the relentlessness that that kind yeah. of sets it apart. But so much of it is laid back and subdued. Or yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, solo go. Solo is pretty great, actually. It's really angsty and full of what we would deem as wrong notes. But as I explain to students, there is no such thing as a wrong note, provided that you end on the right note, because that is what creates the spice. spice. Mm. Pure, unrefined spice. <laughs> As I say, it's not a wrong note if it's intentional. Yeah. Well, what was it? The the no. quote from university was Miles Davis says, if you play a wrong note, play it again. And if you play it three times, that's yeah. jazz. Wunderbar. But it's right, it's it, it's spot on though. Yeah. Um once once you keep playing it, people it forces people to recognise that is supposed to be there. And then your your ear starts to accept exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. You know. That's the main it, it, thing. The more you do it, the less kind of jarring it yeah. becomes. Yeah, yeah. Don't really do so much these days, but I used to really enjoy just having a chord with, and just move one of the fingers up or down a fret and just being like having a really nasty sounding thing. Mm. But you keep playing it and then mm. it sounds mm. all right. Mm. You know? Yeah. I I try to try to get it through nice. in, in guitar parts. Nice. Mmm, yeah. nice. We've only got two more to get through, Stefan. And let's go. Let's go. Let's let's do it. So sad and beautiful world. Well, I, I've got one note for this track, Jake. There's too much guitar happening on this track. So I never thought I would actually be saying that. <laughs> Crucify him. I mean, it's like three or four. Yeah. Well, no, it's more it's more the fact that you have that kind of strummy guitar and then there's just this other guitar that's completely overplaying. I'm just listening yeah. back to it. Now. It it sounds like it's the uh, pedal steel back in this one as might well. Might be, but it it's it sounds like you and I, you know, just like having a jam and just playing along with the song rather than Well, the the playing's not very tasteful, you know, and I'd I'd like well, if I was sitting there, I'd no. be like, "Can you, can you stop? You know, is that is it possible? Do you think you want to stop?" <laughs> then he might say, "No, I'm going to make some choo-choo train sounds," and then I'd reply with, "It'd be a lot cooler if you did." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's but, 
it is. It, there is too much. He's just playing too much. He needs to, like you say before, there's, yeah. he, there's so, so, there are so many awesome moments of space and almost like musical maturity from this album. And then this song just kind of undermines all of it in a way for me. That's, that's fair. So contender for least favorite track on the album. Oh, uh, it's, it's probably up there. Yeah. Mm. Fair enough. Mm. Fair enough. It's a sad and beautiful world. Well, we'll move swiftly okay. on then. Gasoline Horses. I like this one just because of the name. The track that I'm pretty sure was missing from the cassette that I had as a mm. wee nipper. It's yes, yeah, a good name for a song. It's kind of once again, it does that thing of you know, it's what's it? It's two minutes forty, and the first thirty seconds is just radio static. And then you have that once again radio sound thing going on, haven't you? With the guitar mm. being really. It's all, is it all just mids? Well, have you, did you ever uh, get into like the offspring? Not massively. They had, well, I I never owned an offspring album. I've got one and it's Splinter. Really enjoyed that one. Really good record. But they finished with this song that's like similar. It really reminds me of the Gasoline Horses. It's that kind of static radio or even vinyl static going around. And it's like an old timey old-timey ballad almost when you're in prison it's called it's fantastic if you haven't heard it i strongly recommend you look it up when you're in prison don't turn the other way keep your back against the wall but yeah so that's what this one does until about halfway through just over halfway through and then it comes in for the boom 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 as in actually being paid properly not really thin and weird sounding and once again just kind of finishes the album as it started just laid back just a guitar vocals a bit of bass is there even any drums i don't think there's any drums no i put down that if the previous song had a similar style in playing then it would be it would have been much better. Like the, mm. the gasoline horses and sad and beautiful world are like polar opposites in terms of how much music is actually happening underneath the vocal. Gasoline horses will take us away. There is one more track, but it's on the vinyl version, which I don't own. Um, so we're not going to talk about it. So, all right. Uh, so that brings us nicely onto onto the questions. Then, so we'll just get straight into it. Um, Stefan, your favourite track. So you've mentioned. I'm gonna. I, I think I can tell by the fact that you played it multiple times. Uh, 
<laughs> I was going to guess someday I treat you. Someday I will treat you good as your favourite song or Rainmaker or, or the third one. I was thinking would have been Tears on Fresh Fruit. So the, the three kind of loud, big boisterous ones. I think Cow was the third one, not not necessarily the um, the Tears on Fresh Fruit. Good shout, Cow's yeah, a great but, song. However, we we can't go very far without Little Bastard Choo Choo anymore. Well, no, I mean that that. This podcast changes the changes things yeah. massively for me. Absolutely. Um, I mean, now that we know it took him, you know, possibly possibly ten years to craft that song, uh, and you could admire the dedication for someone who spent, you know, the best part of a decade writing a forty second choo choo train song. You gotta gotta consider <laughs> all the spoons that he's purchased as well in that time. Just sitting down at well, IKEA exactly, and. You know. And not just Costco and so on, just dropping spoons on the floor, and the people are there. The greeters are like, um, "Sir, can you stop doing that?" And he's like, "No." It's Tim with his little dictaphone. <laughs> exactly. And there was one time, actually, quite early on, where he got the sound he wanted, but it just didn't record. <laughs> he forgot the dictaphone at home. <laughs> yeah, little bastard Choo Choo has got to be up there. I think someday I'll treat you good as a particular standout on this record. Absolutely. Yeah, that's fair. Once again, little bastard Choo Choo. God bless that man. Probably Rainmaker for me. Probably yeah, I thought, of, thought as much. That's the one that I can just sit back and put it on repeat and listen to it like three mm. or four times. Mm-hmm. Although it's a bit of a struggle because I can just listen to this album mm. on repeat by itself sort of thing. Yeah. I'm going to go back to the old format for the next mm-hmm. question. What of it kind of just being a, a, a one-man consistent band? Who would you like to cover what song outside of Neil Young? doing Cow, Rainmaker, or... Actually, I'd quite like to see Neil Young do Tears on Fresh Fruit, but... Yeah, I'm going either Smashing Pumpkins, Tears on Fresh Fruit, or Saturday by Flaming Lips. Very nice. I kind of struggled with this. I couldn't think of... I was... Neil Young just kept coming into my head. I've got to think of someone that's not (laughs) Neil Young, because that's just too too obvious. So in the end, I kind of went for a, a kind of... Semi-similar sort of sounding band. I went with um, Granddaddy. I'd quite like to hear Granddaddy doing someone like Rainmaker mm-hmm. or, or any of it, to be honest. Are with they you. are they the um, ones that do the... Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That'd be good. That'd be good. I saw a press shot, like a promo shot of Sparkle Horse with four guys neck deep in a river. Have you seen that photo? No, I don't think I have actually. It just reminded me, you know that famous, oh, um, the famous picture of uh, is it Slint? No. Oh, okay. There's a famous picture of them all. It might even be their album cover of them all neck deep in a river as well. Anyway. Huh. Anyway. Neato. Okay. Neato. All right. Actually, I'm just thinking. I reckon Nick Nick Cave could do a, like a really good slowed down. Ballady piano version of something on here, but I'm not sure what it would be. Little bastard choo choo. Little bastard choo choo. <laughs> yeah. Ditto. <laughs> yeah. So, Stefan, does this rank in your top 10? I think I will be putting this in at 10 on mine, which would not. Wasting Light by the Foo Fighters out. Ah, fair the enough. more I listen to some of these albums that we've done, the more I think I need to reorder my top ten. But I'm, I can't. It's not the way we're running it. I really uh, think feel committed. like the bollocks should be higher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I feel yeah. like that. <laughs> uh, so I think I'll be putting nice. this one into into tenth place. I like it. I I think there's fair enough. Fair enough. What was the song called? Someday I'll treat you good. Really pushes this one over the line for me. I, 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 all I heard was someday I'll treat you good and then you cut off. But, um, oh, okay. I said, I think that really pushes it over the line, puts it into the top 10. Just the strength of that one song. Well, you know, the, the album, but then it's that one song that puts it into, really puts it up into the top 10. Question actually, something we might, might be worth, um, asking futurely. Would, based on this album, would you, listen or would you would you listen to more sparkle horse would you listen to his other albums based off this one album at this point in time no because you said he gets even darker on the next couple <laughs> oh yeah because he nearly died and it yeah. kind of had a bit of an impact on his um yeah no i, I would be on. interested i i mean would you consider this to be his masterpiece it, this is my favorite but that's probably purely nostalgia, you know, because it was, right. you know, the, the one we had in the car for loads of long car journeys and things like that. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it, it's kind of got those sort of memories attached to it. Yeah. But I really like Good Morning Spider as well. It's got some some great stuff on. It's a hard one because you get you get some of, some of these albums that we've looked at. I mean, Solid Air is still a classic, and I, I can listen to that album over and over again, but I don't really go through many of his other albums. I don't find them to be anywhere near as consistent. That's fair enough. Mm. That's yeah, fair enough. That's, uh, well, you're not wrong. Mm. Not wrong. It's going in my top ten. Okay. It's going in my top ten at number three. Wow. 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 So it's behind what? Angel Dust. And discipline. And, king, and discipline. Cool. Which I think are going to be two very difficult ones to uh, displace. Yeah. You know, but I, I'm a big, massive fan of this album. It, once again, how much of that is nostalgia? I don't know, but you know, I've, I've had a very easy time of it this week listening to the album, like on my walk to work. A, yeah, because yeah. it's easy to get through a massive chunk of it on my commute because it's, you know, you can get through about half an hour, half the album in the 20 minutes it takes me to walk to work. Yeah, uh, and then the other half on the, you know, on the walk back, uh, and B, it's just like I like the entire album. There's not um, uh, sad and beautiful worlds. I, I'd say it's probably one of the weakest songs on there, but A, it's right at the end, and B, it's not so bad that I'd skip it. Yeah, and that's saying a lot for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe if it was a bit earlier in the album, and it was just before one of the much better songs, like if it was before "Someday I'll Treat You Good," I probably would skip it. Because, you know, someday I'll treat you good. But it doesn't have the white limo syndrome because it's not immediately before a much, 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 much better song. It's just immediately before a better song. See, I think it has, like, inverted white limo. It has, like, inverted white limo syndrome where I didn't listen to it for five times because I went back and listened to the previous song again and again and again. Well, that was that was the other thing about white limo syndrome, wasn't it? Because the one that, the track that came after white limo wasn't anywhere near as good as white limo. So instead, you just get stuck in, in the white limo loop. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know. Mm, mm. Uh, well, okay then. So to round this off then, Stefan, is Sparkle Horse's 1995... 
the Eva Dixie submarine transmission plot a sound purchase? Uh, I believe so. I, I haven't seen how much it is. Actually, I haven't checked that out either. Let's have a On look. the resale, because, you know, at the moment I'm tempted to say that the Mollusk isn't a sound purchase because the not, cheapest well, not, one that I can find is £106. It's certainly not worth it on, um, on vinyl. Yeah, but yeah, I, I, think, I think it's an entertaining listen. Absolutely. Someone on Amazon is trying to sell the CD version for £105. Crikey. It's, it's not worth £105, people. It's a good <laughs> album, but just stream it. Yeah, <laughs> it's not on worth YouTube. paying £105 yeah. for. Exactly. Oh, it's, on, it's on Spotify, man. Just, let's go to somewhere that's not Jeff Bezos and see if we can get it a bit cheaper. It's one of those albums that if you're going to buy it, you're going to be a real fan. I mean, looking at this, Viva Dixie Submarine Transmission Plot plus 7-inch Single Plane Records 2018, £70. Not worth Jeez. £70. Wow. Um, but that's, once again, that's eBay. Basically, mm. I don't think there's much vinyl. <laughs> I don't think there's many vinyl versions floating about. No. But if you can get the CD, not for an extortionate price, mm. at your local local shop, like Resident probably have it. I would imagine so. If you're in Brighton, check out Resident. They might have it. Mm. Other CD providers are available somewhere. But yeah, not for not for that much. Strangely enough, having searched Sparkle Horse Viva Dixie Submarine Transmission Plot Vinyl, it also comes up with Parachutes by Coldplay Vinyl. Oh, nice. 1999. Yeah, they've just done a big like 20th anniversary reissue, haven't they? Have they? Yeah, everybody's doing that at the moment. I'm going to go out and uh, petition... Whoever owns the rights to Sparkle Horse to release a seven-inch version of um, Little Bastard Choo Choo. I'm gonna I'm gonna dedicate the next ten years of my life to do Little Bastard Little Bastard Choo Two. <laughs> right, and on that bombshell, I think it's time to say <laughs> okay, goodbye. <Jackson>. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Okay, seamless segue into the outro that no one's going to notice. I'm Jake, and this was a sound purchase, a podcast that does a deep dive to explore iconic recordings. This episode was cared for in some way that could be described with an alliterative adjective by producer Paul Lochran. You can show your support for the episode by liking, subscribing, sharing, and reviewing. Each engagement makes this effort more worthwhile, and the best way to grow the podcast is through good old-fashioned word of mouth. Your support is greatly appreciated. Check the show notes and up-to-date top 10 lists and some other bits and bobs on soundpurchase.com. You can engage us on social media using uh, the handle soundpurchasepod. You can support us by buying our tat, mugs, t-shirts, action figures made using old G.I. Joe casts, uh, and much more by going to asoundpurchase.com forward slash shop. Uh, other episodes are available at all of your favorite podcast places. Uh, become a friend of the show on our website uh, to gain access to super cool bonus stuff like some blog posts, special friends of the show merchandise, and some bonus stuff that we've recorded. Um, and I'm not saying that me and Stefan are going to go through you know, all of the Bridgerton books chapter by chapter, but I'm not saying that we aren't. And you can subscribe to become a friend of the show for free at asoundpurchase.com forward slash F-O-T-S. If you've enjoyed the sounds during today's episode, visit your local record store to pick up a copy of Sparkle Horse's Viva Dixie Submarine Transmission Plot, if they have it. 
support your local businesses and artists.